0: Hi, good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service.
1: Manx Radio.
0: If a business you owned had made a profit of £1.6 million, what would you do? Spend it on yourself and your family? Save it? Or would you give it away to people you don't know and will never meet? A man who does that joins us this morning to explain why. And Richard Littledale is back. He'll be popping in every Sunday between now and Easter to talk about breakfast cereals. But first, let's have some music. Caring for others is a strong theme on today's programme, and it's reflected in this hymn. Brother, sister, let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you.
1: It's time.
0: David Doricott is, by any standards, a successful businessman. Ramsey-based AFD software are known as the postcode people and for nearly 40 years have been developing specialist postcode-related software for scores of different purposes for thousands of client companies. At the end of last year, AFD company directors David and his wife Alison gave away £1.6 million, money they could easily have kept, saved it or spent it on themselves or their family. They chose instead to share it out around some 90 charities, a mixture of local ones working here on the island and many others operating internationally, effectively giving it to people they don't know and will never meet. So the obvious question is why? David Doricott's explanation may
2: surprise you. When the AFD business was started in 1983, my wife Anne and I undertook that step specifically as an expression of our Christian faith. And part of our prayer was that God would use us as a channel to provide for what he wanted to do in the world. So, at that level, it's a direct result of a prayer we prayed in 1982. On another level, you could take it that when you look around the world, uh, there's a huge need. And yes, you could buy a yacht, uh, you could buy um, part, at least part of a private aeroplane. But actually, what a kick, eh, to think that a few pounds spent here and there and multiplied by the efforts of some quite remarkable organizations can actually transform a single life in the Philippines of someone who's been sold into human slavery or perhaps feed a village or teach them how to grow crops effectively and sustainably. And to be honest, that is a bigger kick than some of the other material benefits that are usually where money goes because money is of itself an immoral subject. Some people say money is the root of all evil, but it's actually the love of money, the Bible says, that that there is the, at the root of all evil. And I think we can look around the world and see that that is a valid statement, because often we'll say, won't we uh, watch where the money's going or follow the money? Well, in fact, money is just a token by which we can achieve some objectives. And if we're going to be responsible citizens, particularly in the rich West and the, the Isle of Man, is not just a fabulously beautiful place to live, but also is fabulously wealthy in world terms, then we have as responsible citizens to look at what is driving hopelessness, deprivation, death, war in a lot of countries. We all bemoan the fact that people will put their children in rubber boats to cross the English Channel. Why is that? Is it because they have nothing to lose? And it probably is just that. Why will a parent sell their child into um, human traffickers or sex slavery. Why will that happen? It's because they don't know how to feed the other five children. Now, that is that is something that, as a human being, we have to respond to. And we can respond to it by ignoring it, or we can respond to it by being overwhelmed by it and doing nothing, therefore, or we can do the bits we can do. And we just love, in what now is getting in towards our 40 years in business, of actually having that uh, 1982 prayer answered and God has blessed us with lots of money and uh We've taken huge delight in what it's been able to
0: achieve in all sorts of different ways. This is not a one-off. You have been doing it every single year. It's a varying amount, but it is always a very substantial amount. And I can clearly remember the year when it bought a plane for Mission Aviation Fellowship so that they could take relief into areas where only a small aircraft could go, and still at a great personal peril for for the pilots. Now, the way that that you choose the charities that benefit is quite special, isn't it? Because you very much acknowledge that it's your staff who make the company prosperous. So that's a driver for where the money goes, isn't it?
2: Yes, we have a staff team of about 50 people engaged in our postcode people business. And uh, yes, some of them are programmers, some of them are customer service people, some of them are sales staff, some of them deal with the nuts and bolts of finance and administration. Even the people who keep the lights on in the room are really important people. And together, as a team of about 50 people, they've created something that's quite special and excellent. And that is another factor in our success some of our customers have been on the journey with us for over 20 years because of those people we don't use automated call handling systems and we have a little business mantra of making happy customers which we all own and we hold one another accountable to it and that contributes to our success but it's a team it's a team effort and when you speak to each individual member of the team they have stories they have stories of organizations that helped them when they were bereaved when their children needed specialist help when they needed educational help sometimes perhaps when they'd been poor and people helped feed them or they knew of others in their family who did so all the stories that are behind many of the nominations are really personal and special and uh, I think uh, for, for most of my colleagues, the opportunity to dish out some of the company's money to uh, these organisations is... A thrill because of those personal stories, and stories are important parts of what we are as human beings.
0: Is pressure ever put upon the event in general to focus more on Manx charities, local charities? Charity beginning
2: at home would be how that would be expressed, and yes, there are lots of needs that we've responded to on the island, but going back to what I said earlier about world need, and particularly the global south, where there is hopelessness and deprivation, which sooner or later visits our shores one way or another, because people flee it, because it causes instability in some uh, parts of the world which have repercussions here. So it is really in our interest to be genuinely global-centred. And, of course, uh, we look across the water to the adjacent island with all its problems. We're insulated from quite a lot of them, but, again, many of those problems will visit on our shores. Just look at the drug trade in the UK, which impacts our Uh, little island here and reduces our sense of safety and we wonder about our children being led astray by such influences so i think there is a responsibility to look at home there's a huge responsibility to look across and an even bigger responsibility to look internationally and it's easy to be cast down and it only takes a small amount of light to take away a lot of darkness
0: And so from David Doricott, for whom working is just a way of generating money to be used to relieve suffering in the world to the charities who receive it. Sam Catchpole grew up and was educated on the island, but now lives in the UK and works for the charity TLG, Transforming Lives for Good. From school exclusion to poverty and holiday hunger, there are children across the UK facing some of the toughest starts in life. Transforming Lives for Good believe change is possible, and that's why, in all their work, lies an unchanging resolve to transform lives for good.
3: TLG is an organisation that works to give struggling young people a hope and a future. They do that through three different strands, so one being education centres where young people who are struggling in mainstream school are given the chance to have education in a different way. They do make lunch where um, students who need free school meals and aren't getting those in the school holidays have access to that through lunch clubs and they also do early intervention coaching where a coach will visit children who maybe have a mental health problem in schools for an hour a week and work with them to build them up and make a change to their life. You did a little
0: quiz with us with some statistics and one of the things that struck me most forcibly was that the millions of children living with food insecurity are not necessarily from families where there is no income they can have an income which shows that it isn't that the family aren't trying it's just so difficult to cover all the needs.
3: The statistic is 75% of children and um, homes with food insecurity have a working parent so it is abolishing that myth that you can just work your way out of poverty and the cost of living crisis is only making that worse.
0: Now your vehicle for reaching out to these families is the churches is that yeah, right?
3: Yeah yeah so TLG all their work is done through the support of the local church so the church is the place where we are cooking meals in kitchens for make lunch it's the place where volunteers are being trained up to go into schools so that is the hub of of what we do do
0: you think this is really what the churches are supposed to be there for now rather than getting people to come in and attend services good though that is
3: Mm. do you think it's really more about
0: social outreach
3: i think the church has more to offer than social outreach but i do think that actually like as christians putting your money where you're is is definitely about showing love and care that Jesus showed in the Bible and that to me means that you, we need to be doing things like this different churches will have different ways of showing care but I think in a in the world that we live in at the moment where I think the general consensus is the government is struggling to do enough for people the church needs to fill that gap
0: how are you funded Sam
3: um i think there's a few different avenues that we are funded through but mostly we are funded from donations so we have hope givers who give money monthly annually um one-off gifts and that helps fund us the different initiatives kind of have slightly different ways you know the school setup is slightly different um so but yeah that is yeah hope givers is a big one
0: So this donation from AFD Software is really important to you then?
3: Yeah, massively important. Having that kind of consistent promise of knowing what's coming will make a massive difference with particularly Make Lunch and Early Intervention and kind of widening that out to more more places, more schools, more children.
0: And finally, why are you doing what you're doing, Sam?
3: i am massively passionate about what i do um, i trained to be a mainstream school teacher and just saw the need for the young people sat in front of me as a christian i believe that there is not only education to offer but a hope that's found in the bible and in jesus and yeah i i felt really called cool to go and work with kids who potentially are written off and have more to offer than people assume
0: There was also a donation for International Justice Mission, a global organisation working to rescue people trapped in human trafficking and modern-day slavery. People living in poverty are uniquely vulnerable because local justice systems are not equipped to protect them. I put it to David Westlake, Chief Executive Officer of International Justice Mission in the UK, that we just don't like to face the truth that today, millions of people around the world still live unprotected from modern-day slavery and violent abuse. No, we often don't. And of course, why would we think about things which are so painful
4: and so difficult and so distressing? But... This is a reality of our world. There are millions of people held in slavery, and most of them are children and very vulnerable women. And we get the chance to help them find freedom, and that is worth leaning into.
0: How did you get involved in this work, David?
4: My background was in relief and development work. I worked for an organisation called Tearfund for for many, many years. And whilst I was working with Tearfund, I was walking down a street in Thailand with a female colleague and a young girl comes up to me and asks me if I wanted to sleep with her. And her opening price was the equivalent of seven pounds. So Lord only knows what I could have bargained her down to. I was able to keep walking, but she was not. And in that momentary encounter, something clicked inside of me. I could not get her out of my mind. And I felt, I felt I'd let her down, to be honest. I felt I'd, I'd carried on my day and she was kept by her owner working that bit of the, of the city. And I made a promise that night, a promise to God actually, because that's my background. And I said, Lord, I don't ever want to walk away again. And maybe we've all had moments like that where some, the light has gone off and we've thought, this is what I've got to give myself to. This is what I've got to do something about, whatever it is for us. But for me, that was that moment, and I I didn't want to walk away again. And so the last six, seven years for me has been about how to lean into that experience. And although I couldn't do anything for that girl, see what I can do
0: for thousands like her. As a person of faith, do you look back on that and maybe see the hand of God turning your focus at that moment? I do believe so. And I think
4: as a Christian that we are following our saviour and he does lead us into things that he wants us to spend our lives on and spend our, our talents on. And for me, he very much led me to Tearfund and I ended up 20 years with Tearfund and international director and would have been happy doing that for you know, all my working life. But I believe in that moment he led me into something else. And uh, that's one of the great joys of being a Christian, that we get to to go on this adventure
0: with our father. David Westlake of International Justice Mission, fighting modern-day slavery and human trafficking around the world. Another charity whose work is supported by the generous giving of Ramsey-based business AFD Software. Now it's time to welcome back Richard Littledale, author, broadcaster and retired Baptist minister. Richard joined us last year in the weeks leading up to Christmas, bringing with him some of his collection of nativity sets, each of them telling the Christmas story in a unique way. I'm pleased to say that Richard's going to be joining us each week during this season of Lent, the weeks of preparation for the celebration of the great Feast of Easter. And very appropriately for a morning programme, he's going to be talking about breakfast cereals. Do you remember the days
5: when there used to be gifts in packets of breakfast cereal? Sometimes there would be little packets of cards, all wrapped up in rustly cellophane, to stop the cereal from marking them. More excitingly still, some were actual toys. If you poured them out inadvertently, they would land in your cereal bowl with a satisfying plunk sending cereal scattering in all directions. There were two ways to get at them, the quick one and the slow one. The quick one meant pouring out all the cereal into a large bowl, removing the gift and then decanting the cereal back into the packet again. The slow one meant taking your chances and seeing when the gift happened to fall out. A risky approach when you were growing up in a household with two brothers, as I was. Over these next few weeks, I have lined up a set of little cereal packets for us, like a variety pack. They may be small, but at least each one has a gift – all shall have prizes as they say. These five boxes each contain a portion of John's Gospel and a nugget for us to hold up to the light on these Sunday mornings in Lent. Shall we get started? Here's our first box all encased in inky black cardboard, with little white pinpricks, as if spangled with stars. We'll come back to that. But first of all, let's pour it out and see what we've got from John today. This is from the first chapter, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is an opening to a gospel unlike any other. It doesn't have Matthew's family tree, nor Luke's introduction to his reason for writing, nor Mark's immediacy as he jumps straight in and says, this is the beginning of the Gospel. Instead, it is something entirely different. And it brings us back to those stars on our cereal box and this week's nugget. Way back in 1977, when Jeff Lucas launched the first of many Star Wars films, he introduced a trademark known as the Opening Crawl. Against an inky black sky spangled with stars, words crawled up the screen in yellow font, stirring music played, setting out the background to the story. This first one famously began with the words a long time ago, in a galaxy far away. Thus, a movie genre was born. When John talks about the word, He sets his story of Jesus against an entire backdrop of shifting philosophies and beliefs in his contemporary world. Jesus was there for Jews and Greeks, for poets and slaves and everybody in between. He still is. The words which came tumbling from our cereal packet this morning were John's opening crawl setting the story of Jesus in the biggest context imaginable. We approach Easter this year across a landscape potmarked by conflict, need and anxiety. But Jesus still stands above it all. Ironically, that original Star Wars movie was renamed many years later when other stories were woven around it. It became A New Hope. How appropriate.
1: I am hope for all who are hopeless. I am nice for all who long to see. In the shadows of the night, I will be your light. Oh, your name.
0: Thank you, Richard Littledale. He'll be back opening another packet of cereal on next week's programme. And now it's time to take a look at our notice board, and we start with services today. There are two services in the Cathedral in Peel today, but unless you live very close by, it might be too short notice for you to actually attend the Choral Eucharist there at half past ten this morning. But all the Cathedral services are live-streamed via their website – just go to cathedral.im and click on the live stream button. This afternoon, there'll be choral evensong in the cathedral at half past three, when the choir will be joined by the choir of the Buchan School. And if you can't be there to enjoy this peaceful, prayerful service, you can watch the live stream wherever you are, cathedral.im. In Sandygate Chapel this afternoon, the service at four o'clock will be taken by Reverend David Shurtleff. And this evening the mariners will be in Kirk Christ, Russian Parish Church, for a service starting at half past six, at which Reverend Canon Joe Heaton will preach. And as usual, you're invited to stay on after the service for supper and community hymn singing. There are just two Lent lunches in Ramsey this year, and the first of them is this Tuesday, the seventh. Head to St Paul's Church Hall in Ramsey on Tuesday between 11.30am and 2pm for soup, a dessert and tea or coffee to follow. A delicious lunch for £7 with all the proceeds to the Parkinson's Disease Society Isle of Man. And also on Tuesday in the hall at the Abbey Church in Ballasalla there'll be Lent lunches served between noon and 2pm. This is Fair Trade Fortnight – and to market, Dolby Church, a fair trade church, is screening a couple of short films this Wednesday evening. A Darker Side of Chocolate and Make the World a Better Place, starting at 7 o'clock in Dolby schoolrooms. The two films show the positive difference fair trade can bring to changing lives for producers around the world. There'll be an interval between the films with fair trade baking and produce tasting and time for questions about the issues behind fair trade. No need to book and there's no charge, but donations to help with costs are always greatly appreciated. Back to those Lenten lunches now and the Cool Chapel are serving theirs every Thursday from noon to 2pm. Also every Thursday, Lenten lunches of homemade soups and desserts will be served in St Anthony's Pastoral Centre in Ridgeway Road in Onkin from 12 noon to 2pm. And there's easy parking right opposite St Anthony's Pastoral Centre. Friday is the day to go to St Thomas's Church just off the promenade near the Gaiety Theatre here in Douglas. The morning begins at 10 o'clock with a Lent morning prayer service. Then from half past 10, it's coffee and chat, followed by Lent lunches served from noon to half past one. The Leprosy Mission annual quiz night is this Friday evening the 10th at half past seven in Lock Promenade Methodist Church here in Douglas. It includes a free supper of delicious hot pot or vegetarian equivalent. To register your team and for catering purposes, please email Graham Easton on gme at manx.net. gme at manx.net The Friends of Orisdale Chapel have a special art expo planned for next weekend, Saturday and Sunday the 11th and 12th of March. This is at Orisdale Old Chapel on the Kirkmichael Loop Road and it'll be open next Saturday and Sunday from 10 until 4pm. There'll be artwork and photography to view and to buy, all by local artists. Admission is £2, including refreshments, and if you'd like to know more, just contact Pauline on 300 630. 300 630. And finally, looking ahead to next Sunday the 12th when there'll be another mariner's service in Peel Methodist Church at the usual time of half-past six. Mrs. Jean Guthrie will preach and there'll be supper and community hymn singing afterwards. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back tonight at nine o'clock for sundown. Your invitation into our virtual late lounge for a mix of easy listening music and a bit of nostalgia to round off your day. I'd love you to join me if you can. If you've got items for the notice board, do please email me Judith Lay at Manxradio.com. And so, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening, and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week, and a very good morning. The
1: nation stays.